This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> All right, Peyton Manny's here. Took the Super Bowl from me. January 2007. Uh, we had, I think, a 20-point lead. Came back. We screwed up a third and three. You know, beating Rex Grossman. I'm still mad about it. But I said, after 15 years, I was going to forgive you and have you on. So here you are. Thanks for coming on. You recall, Bill, they had 12 people in the huddle. And they started from first and 10, back to first and 15. If it wasn't for that five-yard penalty, that third and three is converted. So blame the 12th guy in the huddle for that Super Bowl Missed so, opportunity. Sounds like a coaching mistake. It's a, it sounds like Belichick. He should be hung on him a little bit more. Like I, like I said, very unpatriot-like. Uh, 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 you know, even in the AFC Championship, even for the Patriots, you can only play with eleven uh, on offense. That's that's still the rule. Do you look like you ended up winning too? Do you look at this stuff where the over/under for what you could have won with football? It's such a weird sport sometimes, where sometimes it really comes down to one play. Right? It's like the Pats get that third and three, you don't win a Super Bowl that year. You have other years where it's like, if this one play happens, you probably win the Super Bowl that year. What what was the right over or under for you, do you think, when you look back? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I played 18 years, as I tell people, uh, only started two off seasons in a good mood, right? Uh, <laughs> the uh, the others, you're pretty, you're pretty disappointed. Uh, I always say there's kind of this argument, Bill, would you rather go eight and eight and you win your last three regular season games. And that last game in the locker room, I mean, it's kind of exciting. People are high-fiving because, hey, you know, we won three in a row and we got some momentum. But the fact is the season's over and you really weren't very good, right? You were eight and eight. Or do you go 13 and three and you just kick butt all season and then you get beat on a 45-yard field goal with two seconds left in a playoff game, and it rips your heart and guts out, which one would you rather have? Would you rather be excited in the locker room, or would you rather have your heart ripped out? I'd rather have my heart ripped out because that means we're closer, right? We're knocking on the door. We're doing something right. Let's try to tighten the screws even more for next year. And so that was kind of the thing for us, right? We were doing something right. We We couldn't beat New England and Foxborough. Um, you know, we had a brutal uh, home loss to the Steelers. And so those are three right there that you know, we felt like we had a Super Bowl winning team. As you know, in the playoffs, Bill, not to make comparisons, but playoff games are all seventh game elimination games, right? You can't yeah. be off for a couple of games and still win the series. You better be on that day. If you're not, you're probably going home. So the teams that beat us deserve to beat us. They were better that day. 
but when you win the Super Bowl, it makes it that much more gratifying because you know how hard it is to get there. Was it everything you thought it was going to be? I mean, it's been a million years. It was February 2007. Yeah. It's 15 years ago, but it was everything. It, it checked every box? No, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that, uh, that we were in Indianapolis and starting there in 98 and just sort of this rebuild from the ground up with a lot of pieces, right? Bill Polian, Adrian James, Marvin Harrison, uh, just a complete uh, startup, uh, if you will. And to, uh, you know, to, to kind of do it in that fashion, right? To, you know, to beat the Patriots who had had our number in the playoffs at home in Indy. I, I still can remember the electricity in the city that night. It was, you know, Indianapolis's first, uh, you know, world championship. And I feel like the fans, including the players, Bill, we really felt like we were going to win the Super Bowl just because we had beaten New England. We're like, if we can beat this team, like, there's no stopping us now. And the rain tried, tried to stop us, but uh, right. just uh, uh, we were certainly on a, um, on a confidence and emotional high going into that Super Bowl. To have the kind of career you had, do you have to get kicked in the nuts a couple times in that first third of the career and have some some brutal losses because it kind of teaches you when you're waking up at five in the morning and all that shit? Like, yeah. had, you, had you won in the first, let's say, three, four years, how does that change the course of your career or does it? Does it is it the no. same? No, I think you certainly, uh, um, I think you certainly have a good point. I mean, I, my first year, you know, we went three and thirteen, and my second year we went thirteen and three. I remember Jim Moore, our head coach, uh, just saying, "Don't ever take winning for granted, right? Because it's hard to win one game in the NFL. Now you got to win almost twelve to get into the playoffs, especially maybe thirteen with the seventeen game season. Then you get in the playoffs, you better win each playoff game you're playing against great teams. So. I think I learned early on that winning is hard. Don't ever take it for granted. But I used to tell like some of our rookies that were coming in and like their first season, like we go 14 and two, right? Then we follow it up with 13 and three. I go, I just have to tell you, this is not normal. Right? This is not how it is, right? This is yeah. not really the introduction to the NFL. But when you do that, right, or when you play for the Patriots and you win Super Bowls, it does be kind of uh, uh, become the norm, but it's not right. It's different. Um, yeah, look, Bill, the, the four Super Bowls I got to play in, we had devastating losses the season before in playoff games. We probably could have won, devastating, and the kind of games that probably could have broken up the band. Right? And we got to mm. make a bunch of changes. We got to get rid of him. We got to get a new leader, and we didn't do that. You know, we, we, we kind of stayed the course and kept the same players and uh, just sort of, like I said, worked a little harder maybe, if that was even possible. Uh, had a few more breaks, and we got over the hump the next year to get back to the big game. So then Eli comes into the league, and like in his third year, he just runs the slate and wins four playoff games. Where you're like, what the hell? Right. <laughs> it took no, me exactly. nine years. I mean, How dare you? Yeah. Getting, getting home field, way overrated, right? <laughs> getting a bye. Who needs it, right? You go to Tampa. <laughs> You go to Dallas, you go to Green Bay in negative 20 degrees, and Tom Coughlin's face is freezing off. You beat Brett Farm. Like, this isn't hard. What's the big deal? So, yeah, that was, uh, that, was, <laughs> that, was, that, was that was typical Eli, right? Just making it look pretty easy. And, 
uh, that was that was a fun year. Uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, we weren't in the Super Bowl that year, but that one in 2011, I think everybody in our family feels like you're a part of that. So right, uh, it was it was a fun run there. The um, you're doing the Monday Night Football thing with them, which we're going to talk about in a second. And you guys are obviously close, but you're also the quarterbacks of these teams overlapping for over a decade there. Yeah. And it's like being the pilot of an airplane. You don't have a lot of time to worry about some other pilot on another airplane, but like, how much did you guys talk during that stretch? Did you watch giants games? Like, did you feel like you had to be there for him as the older brother? Or was it just like you tried not to think about it because it was too big of a distraction? Yeah, it's funny. I, I mean, I think we tried to lean on each other, tell you the truth. Uh, certainly when playing common opponents, Bill, we used to share a lot of information, right? Mm. If we were playing the Cowboys. I mean, that's the first call I'm making. Hey, e, you know, what was y'all's thought on DeMarcus? You know, what do you think that they're kind of they're thinking on third down? That's so, a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage to have a sibling in the same business as you <laughs> in any field. And, uh, you know, we, 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 work out together maybe once or twice in the offseason, usually around our high school football camp, you know, talk about some concepts or some things we're working on. So, uh, you know, really tried to pull for each other. Bill played against them three times. That was really not that much fun. You know, I remember when the Harbaugh's played against each other in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I think about if that would have happened for me and Eli, that would have been probably pretty miserable because – I've been on both sides of it. It's the greatest feeling in the world. And when you don't win it, it hurts as much as you think it was. And so that would have bothered one of us that the other was feeling that way. Uh, I did have uh, on occasion have to turn the game off because I remember we had like a Sunday night game, right? So I'm watching his one o'clock kickoff in the hotel in Minnesota or Seattle. I can't remember where we were. And, you know, Plaxico runs the wrong route. Joe Buck is ripping Eli's face off. I am getting infuriated watching this game. I'm literally standing on my hotel room bed, yelling at the screen in a sweat. I'm like, you know what? I got a game here in three hours. I, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. So, uh, yeah. I mean, when it's your brother, Bill, you got to pull hard for him. You know, yeah. you got to defend him and you got to fight for him like, like any brother would. Eli did the same thing to me. So it was a real treat. To, uh, to, to have that run together, you know, to be able to share ideas uh, and to pull hard for each other. What, uh, I, I mean, everybody has a different answer for this. And usually the most common answer is I miss the locker room. I miss the guys. What yeah. do you miss the most about playing? Is it, is it that the locker room and the guys? Yeah. I miss the plane rides, you know, yeah. uh, uh, 53 players, uh, on a, on a flight together. Uh, three of your friends after a hard fought victory in Pittsburgh and you got an hour 25 minute flight back to Indianapolis. I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, and you never are going to get to do that again. You never get to fly on a plane with 53 guys that you just, uh, been in this hard fought victory with and, uh, uh, the adrenaline, the emotion, golly, is uh, you just can't describe it. Uh, I tell people, Bill, that, Next time you're on that commercial flight, you probably don't fly commercial, Bill, but the rest of us fly <laughs> uh, with the common people. When that flight attendant says that this plane cannot take off, so everybody is seated and your cell phones are turned off, that is not true. Okay? Yeah. That is that, that is a lie because after an NFL game, 
every player is on their feet. They're high-fiving. They're recapping the game. They're calling home. And the plane takes off just fine. So maybe not street legal, but it's a fact. So, yeah. Uh, but the answer to your question is, yeah, I, I miss the guys. You miss the locker room. You, know, you get to see them every day. We still keep in touch, right? We're on a group yeah. text with some Colts, with some Broncos. I saw them all in Canton, which was awesome. That was the best part about it, getting to celebrate with high school teammates, uh, friends, college, uh, you know, t- uh, Colts, Broncos. But uh, being together every day uh, was certainly special. How aware as a player are you of the media narratives and all that stuff? I mean, it's much tougher now in the Twitter era. And I think you look at the, like basically the 25 and under quarterbacks, even the five rookies we have, they've grown up with their phones and looking at their phones and constant feedback and texting and all this stuff. Were you able to shut that out? Like the stuff like the Manning versus Brady, when that really became a thing, are you even aware of it or you don't care? No, I mean, look, you're certainly aware of it. uh, But you know, I mean, it just can't take you away from what you what you need to be doing, right? I mean, studying the film, uh, watching the practice film, talking to the receivers, and I think the teams that can that can block out the noise. Uh, yeah, you know, certainly social media is a huge part of it, but I mean, we can't be checking that when we should be in the playbook, right? Right. Missing a missing a blitz read or missing a blocking assignment, so. You know, I think the, I think the good players out there haven't figured out you know, it, it, sort of have a time for each of it. But uh, yeah, for me, yeah, I mean, you're certainly aware of it. But at the same time, it's, it's easy to focus on the team you're playing. Um, you know, each week. You must the thing that must drive you crazy. I'm guessing is how easy it is to be a quarterback in some ways in 2021 with the way they've changed some of the rules. I mean, <laughs> you were you come up in the last era of quarterbacks can still really get crushed wide receivers going over the middle. Be careful. Um, there's throws you just weren't able to make because you might be leading your wide receiver into a concussion, you know, and now you look at it, the game's so much more wide open. The offenses are so much more innovative and everything is geared toward these quarterbacks. We've guys thrown for 5,000 yards that you never would have guessed would be 5,000 yards. When you're watching, how do you get frustrated? Like what, what, what do you think about uh, as you watch this? Yeah. No, I don't get frustrated. I, I'm a fan, and uh, uh, I pull hard for quarterbacks. I pull hard for the game. My dad kind of taught me that, that, you know, you hear about guys that have that bitter feeling. You know, mm. I was so much better than that guy. You know, I would have done this if I was playing in this system. Um, I've never had that feeling before. Uh, I like how the game has evolved. Uh, I, I think it's pretty cool that you, you got NFL coaches now that are copying college playbooks, right? Yeah. Because Pat Mahomes ran that play at Texas Tech. He obviously likes that play and, you know, he's comfortable with it. You know, maybe we can put that play in our Chiefs offense. Whereas, like, kind of back when I was playing, like, no, 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 absolutely not. You know, an NFL team is not going to, you know, copy off a college team. Like, that's what he thought. Now – the good coaches are figuring it out. Hey, what's the best way to make Baker Mayfield more comfortable, right? To make Russell Wilson more comfortable, find things that he likes. And sometimes that's kind of following what they did in college. And so I think it's great. Uh, it's still hard to play quarterback. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. I got, you know, it's look, when you play quarterback, Bill, 
you sign up for all of it, right? Some some people think you just sign up for the parades and the confetti, but you sign up to to, to have that three interception game on a Sunday and bounce back the next week. You sign up to face the media, to face the music each week. And so I got a lot of respect for all those guys playing. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot this year because my new hero, Mac Jones, um, comes in with the Pats <laughs> and he's checking all the boxes, right? Like he's great teammate. He wins the locker room immediately. You start seeing the quotes from some of the other guys. He's doing the offensive linemen get in trouble and they have to run laps. He runs the laps with them. It's all these things like that. I think you had too, where the quarterback isn't just the guy that throws the ball. There's this outsized wow. importance, what their role is to the team. And you're like the dad, you're the big brother, you're the friend, but they have to kind of feel like you're in there with them at all times. And it, it seems like he has that. Absolutely. I love, I love hearing that. And that doesn't really surprise you if you, you kind of knew anything about Jones coming out of Alabama. And obviously I think Belichick knew that because, you know, he had a great resource in, in his old uh, assistant coach, Nick Saban, in the vetting yeah. process. But, yeah, absolutely, as a rookie quarterback, I mean, your first objective and your first really goal should be to earn the respect of the people you're about to play with, the offensive line, right, the defense, the coaches, right? And, and you're not doing that by going in and giving a lot of pregame speeches, right? And, you know, calling the guys up. After. I mean, nobody wants to hear right. anything that you have to say as a 22-year-old rookie. But if you're getting up from a blindside hit, you know, uh, uh, and you're taking responsibility for your play and your interviews, right? You're running with the offensive lineman. Now, all of a sudden, my 35-year-old right guard is a grown adult is going, you know what? I like this kid. I'll fight for this kid. I'll block yep a little longer for this kid. So, you know, some people miss that boat, right? It, it, you can't rush that process of earning that respect, right? It has to happen with a two-minute drill, right? With a uh, standing in the pocket, taking a tough hit. So uh, certainly I think Jones is on his way uh, to doing the right things. Is there a current QB that you feel kinship with that sees the game and handles his business a lot like you used to, like a proxy for you to when you're watching? No, I, I, I mean, I, um, it's hard to pick one guy. You know, obviously, Tom's uh, still representing the old guard. Uh, right. there's, a, there's a lot of new, a lot of new players out there that are fun to watch. I mean, I really look. I mean, how can you not enjoy watching Mahomes play? I mean, he's just fun to watch. He, he's Favre, right? I mean, I used to watch Favre growing up. Certainly, when I got in the NFL, I mean, I always wanted to see Brett Favre. Right? There's that great Randy. Moss NFL films mic up moment. Hey, I'm going to watch Brett Favre, right? It's Brett yep. Favre. I think Mahomes does the same thing. Josh Allen is is a exciting player. I, I think he's just got a great future. So, yeah, I really think the quarterback position is, is in good shape in the NFL, and, and it needs to be. We need to keep it in good shape. We need you know good college players coming out being good mm. NFL players. It, it helps the whole system. So, uh, I'm a fan of quarterbacks. I'm a defender. Of quarterbacks, I mean, one thing on this thing Eli and I are doing, I'd be hard pressed to see us ever saying anything really negative about right, the quarterback. You can. I mean, I, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna say the safety made an unbelievable play before I say that was just a horrible decision by the quarterback because I know what it's like. I know how hard it is. Sometimes you just don't see those guys. So um, I think that's one thing that'll always be true. 
So when you're doing this thing with Eli, which I think is really cool, you're doing what, 10 games, right? We're doing 10 games. Uh, you know, kind of the thing, uh, Bill, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in Denver, uh, uh, at a buddy's kind of garage cave. Eli's going to be in his base, uh, in his back house in, uh, Jersey. Uh, we're watching the game together. He and I, which that's, that's the coolest part. Number one, I haven't watched the Monday night football game with Eli since the fall of 1993, right? In mm. New Orleans, right? I mean, you talk about being busy once you get into college NFL Monday nights, you know, it's not a, uh, Eli never flew to Indianapolis to watch a Monday night game with me when he was playing for the Giants. So, but he and I are kind of, it's like we're at a bar watching the game, Bill, and the viewer is kind of sitting down with us uh, watching. When the game is great, we will be on the game. We're probably not going to analyze the second and one running play that nobody really cares about, right? During that time, we're going to be telling a uh, war story. We're going to have Charles Barkley on to tell us why he didn't play college football, right? Yeah. You know, entertaining stuff. But if when the quarterback is talking to that uh, coach on the sideline, right, Eli and I are going to probably role play, and I'm going to tell you what the coach is saying to him, and Eli's going to tell me what the quarterback is saying back, right? I'm going to tell you what the what Gruden is saying in the Derek Carr, Carr's ear, and then Eli's going to tell you what Derek says to the actual huddle, right? So I think anytime you can take people behind the ropes, you certainly do it, but in a more casual uh, fashion, sitting at home, uh, watching the game, maybe having a cold beverage at the same time, like all football fans are doing. And you think um, Romo's right? I watched a game with Romo once, like he could – and he does this too when he does the TV stuff where he can kind of tell from the way the defense is set and the plays. It's like this weird quarterback thing, which I'm sure you have and I'm sure Eli has. How much are you going to tap into that where it's like, oh shit, they're in nickel. It's third. Oh, he's, watch this. The slot guy's coming across. Like, are you going to be tipping us off? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Tony has a great, great knack for that. And I, I would probably say that Tony and Chris Collinsworth are, you know, able to go to practice they're probably having a little more access than maybe Eli and you I, and Eli I would, have. Yeah. I mean, the, the only reason Eli and I signed up for this is because we didn't have to fly uh, to, you know, uh, Seattle for a game because, you know, I'm coaching my Marshall's flag football team on Saturday. I got to be there. Eli's an assistant coach on his daughter Ava's lacrosse team. He's got to be there. So, what? So, so this allows us to do both. Uh, Bill to, to 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 be home on the weekends and then just to watch a game on Monday. So, yeah, I mean, I think certainly anytime you have some insight and you have an idea, you know, just like I would if I was watching the game at home, I'd say, you know, throw it to Grock here or hey, run the ball here, right? You got two downs to score. Whether you know, um, I'm not going to try to beat Tony Romo because I think he's got a pretty special knack uh, for that. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking the Romo thing. It was something you were the that was what you were known for more than anything was going up to the line, looking around, figuring out what the defense didn't want you to do and then doing it. So I would assume no, I, that still, that skill translates to a 85 inch TV. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it, it's two quarterbacks on it, but I got to tell you, I feel like quarterbacks understand defense as well as right. certain defensive players, right? That's the goal, right? I mean, I think Ed Reed what made him so special is because he learned what the quarterback is looking for. And he tried to do something different. He's like, I'm not going to do what 
Peyton wants me to do, right? Yeah. And that's different. And so I was kind of the same way. Like, I know the, I mean, Tony Dungy, the, the best thing that he brought to me when he came in 2002 was he really taught me the defense. He's like, Peyton, these are their rules. This is what really bothers this defense. Okay. So think that way. Belichick, there's no doubt, has benefited Brady for that. Hey, Tom, this is the core integrity of this defense. These are the holes in it. Let's take advantage of that. So I think even though Eli and I both played quarterback, we can go into the defense's mind and kind of have that back and forth cat and mouse game. And so hopefully that'll be pretty interesting for people. And how to get the defense. No, exactly. How to attack it. And, and then, you know, look, what bothers the quarterback? What bothers the defense, right? It's, uh, it's a two-way street. You mentioned Ed Reed. When the NFL was doing that NFL 100 stuff, and Belichick was on that show where he showed the Ed Reed play where Ed Reed faked you out and did the 180 turn for the interception. And Belichick, honestly, he was like having a football orgasm about it. He's like, that's the greatest play I've ever seen. Like he was like losing his mind. And that's the funniest thing with him is everybody thinks he's like this dead cyborg because of the press conferences, but the guy loves the actual football, the game, the stuff that goes with it. He could talk about that for like days and days and days. You got a taste of it even in that. Hey, I mean, when you get a compliment from Bill Belichick, like it, it, it means something. It matters because he's not really impressed by a lot of things, right? right. Only he's impressed by his own coaching success. He's like, this is what, this is what you're supposed to do. I, I remember sitting on the bus with him at a Pro Bowl one time. And, you know, I loved hearing about the old you know, days when he was a D coordinator and I'm like, you know, uh, Bill, what was it like? You know, Joe Montana, he's like, well, you know, I mean, you got Jerry Rice on these little short drag routes. Like how hard is it to complete it to him? Like, you know, it's not that hard. How about <laughs> Jim Kelly in the, in, in the cake got off. The, I mean, you got Thurman there, you got, you know, but I mean, it's, I'm like, don't ever ask Belichick what he thinks of me. Cause I don't want to hear it. Like, ah, you know, not that hard when you got Edwin James and Marvin Harrison. So it's, when he, when he compliments Ed Reed, that tells you how special of a player he thinks Ed Reed is, right? And yeah. he means it. And so uh, it was great. The, uh, uh, Bill came to uh, Canton to see Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cower inducted on Saturday night. And I'm sitting there uh, getting ready to, to watch the next speaker. Harry Carson comes and grabs me and says, hey, come with me backstage. Uh, somebody wants to see, uh, and it was, it was Bill, uh, Belichick that, that just wanted to shake my hand and congratulate me in person. Uh, so, you know, so that meant a lot, you know, certainly had a lot of battles against him, but certainly great respect as well. Yeah. I mean, that, that could almost be a football documentary, you versus Belichick, how that evolved <laughs> over the years. Like he definitely, I think the Pats felt like they kind of had the Colts number there. And then it just flipped. And then all of a sudden you were, you know, put up 38, 40 points against us. I didn't it's, like it. I'll just tell you, I didn't like that stage of the rivalry that much. <laughs> it's funny, Bill, because like, you know, when I obviously I always wanted to play for the team that drafted me, I think any player should. That should be the goal. You get hurt. You miss an entire season. Things happen. You got to go find somewhere else to play. And I remember visiting, like talking with the 49ers and talking with Seattle. And I was talking to the Cardinals. And kind of like the whole recurring theme in my mind is like, like I, I'm just an AFC guy. I, I, I just think I should stay in the AFC. And it's like, you know, if you're a fan, you're like, why would you not? Why would you get away? Please get away from the Patriots, right? Right. You know, 
go play in the NFC. And uh, I don't know. It's just like, you know, if you're going to get to the Super Bowl, uh, you're going to have to go through New England. So might as well just just play them in the, in the AFC championship every year and then have a chance to beat them in the, to win the Super Bowl. So uh, I feel like New England, you know, had a little bit of a role in my decision to stay in the AFC, believe it or not, and go to Denver. And, of course, we end up playing them in two uh, AFC championships, Denver versus the Patriots. We almost had you in that second one. <laughs> to Gronk, like fourth and ten. Oh, uh, man. I'm on the I team. Like the, I don't know if you knew, Peyton, yeah. but I, this team's I, been in my life my whole life. I'm on the team. I, just, I thought, I mean, I was maybe that was you covering Welker. I knew there was one guy shorter than Welker out there. So now that I think about it, maybe that was I you. was there spiritually. They needed my energy. <laughs> they needed my positivity. Um, Got it. What, what age for Brady becomes ridiculous for him to still be a quarterback for you? Because I would have said I, I, 44, but they're the favorites to win the Super Bowl. But it's like, is 48 ridiculous? 50? Like, I, what, what number is it? I, I think we've passed it, to tell you the truth. I mean, that's what Tom uh, has done. Uh, just a, And he deserves all the credit. I know he's going to talk about people that have helped him along the way, but he has uh, flattened on it, kept himself healthy. And uh, it's it's extremely impressive. Hey, I don't know if you if you listened to my to my uh, uh, speech in Canton, but it, you know there was some booing going on at Brady when I kind of referenced him. Which is mm. it's going to be important for him to get ready to hear those boos in New England. Bill, that'll be <laughs> up to you, right? Are you going to lead that? Or are you going to defend? No, we, but, we would never boo but, Tom Brady. But, okay, we'll see. We'll see. My but my note in there was that when Tom Brady gets inducted into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot in 2035. That was my line. I think some people missed that. But yeah, that's a good I, joke. You know, it, am I that far? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's only funny when you get it on the spot and not you know three weeks later, but thank you. But, you know, does he play nine more years to go to 2030? It wouldn't surprise me. So uh, I don't know what to believe anymore. I mean, I felt like you could have played in your 40s if you hadn't had the neck thing. Ultimately... If you if you had somehow been able to keep your body, you would have done all the training stuff and the physical stuff to keep you there. But you actually had a thing that Brady's never had to do with. You had like a real disc thing and the whole neck thing. Yeah, yeah. I had you know it's funny. Um, you know, my brother Cooper had to stop playing. Uh, he was a receiver at Ole Miss. Had neck problems uh, and had to give up his career just like that. It was it was terrible, right? When you grow up, you know, with your dad playing and you have a chance to play and just on a Wednesday when they tell you it's over, uh, it was tough. And the way he handled it was, was, was extremely uh, impressive. But I remember at the time I was a junior in high school, Eli would have been in sixth grade. They kind of checked out my neck and Eli's neck. And to, to be sure there wasn't some kind of, you know, some issue there that maybe they hadn't discovered yet. And I remember them just saying that, hey, your neck's not, it's not perfect by any means, but but you're okay to you're okay to keep playing. But like mm. this, it's almost like they're saying, let's just kind of keep an eye on it. So in a lot of ways, I had this unbelievable string of health. But like when I had my neck problems in 2011, it was almost like it. it you know, boy, I've had this unbelievable run from '94 to '11 without any neck problems, but now yeah. they're here. So then I was able to manage them for four years, and then you know, 2015. I mean, I mean, when you can't do certain things that you used to do, uh, you know, it, it's just time probably to move on. And also, yeah. it was important to me, Bill, to leave feeling good, right? Some people wait till they feel bad to leave. 
you know, I still feel pretty good, right? It worked out today and going to be at flag practice this afternoon. I, I think if you hang on maybe longer than you should, sometimes that's not the case. Quick things, then we're going to go. You didn't end up doing the actual like Monday Night Football or any of those other jobs because of the travel. You somehow waited. Technology moved to you. Now you don't have to go anywhere and you get to announce games anyway. So kudos to you for that. I thought that was smart. Very well played. I'm looking forward to watching that on uh, ESPN2, all the other places. Uh, the commissioner stuff that started with you, like someday, could it be that? Yeah. Where Where did this come from? Is there any validity <laughs> to it? Is it something you'd want to do? It doesn't seem like your kind of thing. I, I, I don't I, I don't know where that came from. That, that was so far off my radar. You know, the only thing I was thinking about in that speech was, A, being on time, right? Because I already said, hey, you know, going to mm. be six minutes, right? And, um, you know, like like I said, all the people that, that I wanted to thank were there, right? And I got to hug them all after the event. So I didn't have to say their names. And so you got to have something else to say. So I said, let's, let's just talk about the game. Let's talk about yeah. football. Let's talk about youth football. So, look, I said this the other day in, a, in, a, in an interview with Bob Costas that I think if the NFL is lucky, Roger Goodell does it for another 20 years. I know he takes his, his bullets, but he's been great for the game. So, uh, you know. I don't know what you call it, fan of the game, ambassador of the game. That's what I want to be. I don't want to be. A, I don't want to be a critic. Um, uh, I, I want to be a, a supporter of it, and I kind of want to stay on the player side. You know, Eli and I, I think, will be speaking from the player side on this ESPN two broadcast, right? Even though we don't play anymore, I don't know. You still feel like you're a player by kind of staying on the player fan side. So uh, you wouldn't want all the fun. travel. The commissioner travels too much. You're not doing that. I, so not, you're, you're on planes yeah. constantly. You're dealing with a bunch of rich billionaire assholes. You're not, you're not ever doing yeah. that. No, I don't I see that. See Com- Commissioner Goodell has not flown with strangers in a long time. He flies, <laughs> he, he flies in a very nice airplane. So no, no interest well, that's whatsoever. Right. When he suspended Brady for four games, I'm sure you guys were on a text cheerleading each other. I'm sure you, I'm sure you love that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I was a big part of that for sure. No doubt about it. Wait, before we go, can we talk about Mora really quick and what you're doing with that? Yes. Uh, Mara Mant, uh, uh, was such a great friend to me, Bill, uh, and me. like a, this, she was this advisor to me on like all things. Right. I mean, I, I didn't call her about, uh, how to break down a cover two defense, but I said, Hey, should I do this? interview does that make sense or you know what do you think of this idea I don't, it was just and she was available any time of the day or night right i mean 2 a.m in new york she's getting back to you and just um i don't know i still have her phone number in my phone i, I see her name and i, I just uh i want to send her a text because uh uh because i want her to respond anyway she she we've lost her way too early and um we started a scholarship in her name uh at NYU, a film school scholarship. It'll start in 2022. It's a, it's a, it's a two-way deal. It, it pays great tribute to her for her love of, of film. She loved New York, so NYU was a great place, and it's allowing someone to have some of the same opportunities that she had. So a lot of people have contributed to it. Bill, uh, uh, certainly appreciate your gift, and uh, it's been a combination of people like you know Russell Wilson, J.J. Watt, Paul Rudd, all these people that Mara knew and impacted, right? And I always, you know, used to give Mara a hard time, you know, she's the all-time name dropper, but she's like, it's not really name dropping because I know them. Like, I know them. I'm like, you know what? 
you're right. It's not a name drop. So anyway, thanks for bringing that up. And uh, I think it'll be a it'll be a special way to honor her. And we got a big celebration of life coming up for her September 13th. Uh, actually, Eli and I are both going to the celebration and we're doing our first show in New York. Uh, we're going to be together because we're going to both be coming from Mara's celebration. Oh, wow. Well, I love that you did it. And she was one of a kind. I mean, definitely a character out of a movie or a TV show. And uh, no I think everybody Amen. that everybody that dealt with her did anything with her. Like she was just indelible. So I think that's no really doubt. cool. Congrats on that. I was I was happy to Thank be uh, no, involved at least it. a little bit. Good luck with uh, good luck with Eli. Good luck with this TV thing. I hope you like it. I hope you keep doing it. I can't wait to watch. Thank you, Bill. Thanks All for right. having me. Thanks for coming on.